And now, and now, the best of Pete Price. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7. No way I can describe this man. There's no way I can introduce this man. I can only say Les Dennis. Hello, Les. <laughs> Hi, Pete. You know what, Les? Before we talk about why you're back in Liverpool, do you? I mean, you've worked at it, so there's no 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 doubt of that. But do you ever realise what an amazing career you've had so far, and a um, lot more to come? It's kind of like sometimes I look at my CV and I go, "Have I done all that?" Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a bit weird sometimes, but um, yeah, it's it's great. It's great that I've you know diversified and, and kept going. I always think when people ask me what my biggest achievement is, a bit like you, it's still being around because we started a long time ago. Yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's a fickle business. And the changing business means that, you know, the, the kind of the, the way we are still here is, is it's quite an achievement, you know? It is indeed. And you talk about meeting. We met at the Shakespeare. You were, would you be 14, 15? Uh, I was probably 16. 16. And yeah. you came in, this amazing guy in a suit, ready to go on and do these wild impressions. <laughs> who'd have thought, although you were a determined young man, who'd have thought you'd have gone the way you did go? Because at one stage, you were never off television for years. No, absolutely. There's a lot of telly. So, um, you know, something like Family Fortunes, I'm really thankful for that I did that for 15, 16 years. And so you kind of, it keeps you in the public consciousness, even when you're not necessarily on telly anymore. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, kind of by changing a career and diversifying, it means that you can still reach an audience that thinks, oh, right, you know, Les is doing a play or Les is, you know, doing the uh, panto at Liverpool. You know, that you still have a, a kind of a credit note, if you yeah, like. Yeah, absolutely. And what people don't understand, Les, is, and I know because I've worked with you so many times, but what is wonderful about you and the people we're going to be talking about is the wealth of knowledge that you have. So when you put a pantomime and you come in as the star and the scriptwriter's there and we're doing rehearsals, but you know and you'll deliver a line, but you'll say to somebody else because you're a generous man, you try this, this will work. And that's only because you've learned your trade properly. Yeah, I think it's really important. that There used to be a time when comics didn't like anybody else getting a laugh. And I really, I really stand by the old Des O'Connor thing that, you know, Des O'Connor was such a generous performer on his show. Mm -hmm. And what he knew was that people would say, did you see Jack D on the Des O'Connor show? Did you see um, Lily Savage on the Des O'Connor show? As long as they're saying on your show, yeah. as long as, you know, as long as you're involved in it, they, they, don't, they don't go away thinking, oh, so-and-so stole that show because he was funnier. If, you know, it's more important for the show that everybody gets the laughs and gets the right laughs for each other. And do you know that generosity? Do you know the first time I ever realised and saw it? I saw it at the Palladium and I went to see Liberace mm. and he brought a young, good-looking pianist on and he went, this guy's better than me. <laughs> and, of course, it worked for him. It does, you know. It does. It, you know. It, it and, and it's it's shrewd as well as as well as yeah. being generous. It's yeah. very shrewd because audiences know that you are being generous and that you are therefore, you know, not threatened by somebody else. That's that's why I think I like being an actor because I work um, with other people and we make the you know the, the, there's the old um, saying that the play is the thing. So that means that you know 
when it comes to performing with other people, as long as the, the, the whole the content is you're working towards the same end, then that's the important thing. Although in a one-man play, there's only you, there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. Now, before once again, before we talk about the play, because I've got a lot to talk about that. I you... want to talk about Central Station. I walked through there today. I came oh, through. talk about I it. I got the train from McGull this morning. And? From our Margs, and um, I must have been one of, one of the first through this morning. Lovely, absolutely lovely. It's changed. It's, it just changes the, you know, it's, it, you know getting to the city um, it, for people who haven't been here, it's the most important thing to see what the city is like when they first arrive. So it's great that Lime Street looks so brilliant and yep. beautiful now, and it's great now that Central Station looks as welcoming, and you just think, right, there you go. It's curb appeal, isn't it? I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. Um, I've got to... Um, um, you've lost my train of thought now. I can't believe you've just done that Take to me. Off the, uh, no, off the track, literally. Oh, I hate being old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I was going to ask you. You have seen so many changes in the business. Mm. It's not the best time, is it, in the industry? You know what? I think what we've got to do is not moan about it because, you know, it's so easy to fall into that trap of thinking, oh, I can't get on telly because, oh, they want now, a, you know, a gardener's and, you know, it's a good gag, you know, that, you know, I can't stay in a floor or I can't, yeah. I might be able to in the future. Um, <laughs> I can't yeah. garden and I can't, I, you know, I can't do Strictly Come Dancing or Go in the Jungle. It, it, it is a changing face of, of our industry. But you've just got to roll with the punches and, and realize that that's the way it is right now. And, you know, the, I love that saying that there was a time years ago when um, ordinary people sat at home and watched talented people on telly, and now talented people sit at home and watch ordinary people on telly. <laughs> just, you, just, you just take it. That's, that's, look, if, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is, and you, and you diversify and you find something else to do. Now, you're never off the road now. You're starring in so many musicals and so many shows, but there's a new side to you that you have found the most amazing happiness. You've got the most beautiful family, and you're a real family man. You must be getting fed up on the road. Well, you know what? It's, uh, I heard a phrase the other day, and it made me laugh, which was, I think it was Edith Evans said, I used to be a tour de force, but now I'm forced to tour. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the, like I'm saying about the business changing, you've just got to accept where the work is. So if you've got to, you know, when you consider that, Somebody like Nigel Havers goes into Coronation Street and, you know, somebody, um, our, our own uh, lovely actors go into, into soaps again. Um, you then, you know, Sue Johnson. Then you've got to realize that there's less work to go around nowadays. So if you've got to go and tour, that's what you've yeah. got to do. And, um, and I do it, but I do it with, you know, with the eye to get home as, as soon as possible and have my family tour with me. Claire, my wife has just called me and said, look, I am coming up for press night. I know I've sorted out, juggled, and I've got the kids to, you know, be picked up on the morning. My mum's going to drop them off at school and, or drop Eleanor off. So, you know, you, you just make your family life work with, you know, it's that, what, what is it, the work-life balance. And it's tough in our industry to get that. And certainly, you know, in the play Jigsy, it's, we talk about that as well, you know, how, how hard it is to be away from your kids a lot. Now, take, uh, take your acting head off and let's go back to comedy for a bit. Mm. You've seen a huge change in comedy. You've seen comedy change enormously. When you started, you couldn't say bloody on stage. No. You know, I know you don't say it anyway, but you know what I'm saying? It is incredible the way comedy is. And we now have the Echo Arena and all these arenas 
filling the new rock stars are comics. I know, it's, it's incredible, you know, that John Bishop can go and do five or six nights at the um, arena, and it's fantastic for a comic to be able to do that and fill that. You know, when, when I started doing the clubs and then the theatres, you could work 52 weeks a year yep. doing the same act. You can't do that these days because it's spent in, you know, in your tour and then you've got to come up with another tour. I salute these guys because they have to think of a new show every year and they can't, you know, they can't put the same old gags out again. Isn't it interesting, though, that they work the little clubs to work the material ready for the big show? Yeah, that is interesting, <laughs> yeah. They kind of go out and, and experiment with it. But, you know, I think what we did... Um, was we, we, we used to put in a new gag every night yeah. in a different club. So your act would change over time, yeah. but you wouldn't do a brand new show every time. That's, that's tough to go out and do a, a new hour and not know whether you've got the laps or not. Les, this is a difficult question to answer, uh, but I'll ask it anyway. Which has been the happiest time in your career so far? Oh, career-wise? Um, I think working with Dustin was, I mean, it was such a short-lived time. But it was so, it was such a phenomenally, um, it, it was it was so our rise to, if you call it fame, was so meteoric and so quick. And I was working with a guy who was already established. I mean, Dustin, as you know, could work the Shakespeare or the Walkie Hollow before he had any television experience. Yeah, yeah. He had a name, um, you know, in in that kind of club world. That you know, people said go and see just Dustin G, who just got to see him because he does these amazing impressions of Bowie and Robert Mitchum and Larry Grayson. And so to work with him, and I was looking back at some YouTube. If you if you Google Dustin, um, it comes up with me and him on the Royal Variety performance. And I look about 12, and I look like this rookie kid um, working with this really um, established and experienced guy. And I'm there for the ride, really. He's fantastic, and I'm just I'm I'm along with him. He was. He was the most generous person, as you know. You know, you work with us. We did um, quite quite a few gigs together, didn't we? Yeah, we did. In those early days, and you know what he was like. He was he was a a one-off. He was and loved you, loved you very much. Really, there was a magic between the two, and Mm. you're a straight man. He was a gay man. Yeah. But there was a wonderful love between the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. That that came over on the stage. Tell me, why have we never seen repeats? I don't understand. I I don't know why. You know, I mean, I'm kind of. I think it's down to they just didn't get bought up by, you know, UK TV at that time. But then Russ Abbott doesn't get repeated. And Russ is, you know, a bit of a lost comedian, I think. I think some of that early footage, again, if you look at it on YouTube, there's some hilarious sketches with Russ Abbott, both in the ITV Madhouse years Mm -hmm. and then later on in the the years at the BBC. Very quality um, uh, kind of expensive sketches they were doing in those days. You don't see the likes of those shows anymore. Yeah. Uh, Les, before we put this to bed and talk about Jigsy, mm. um, I've got to mention Tommy Cooper. Talk us through the night he died because you were on, it was the, it was a piece of history mm. once again. I mean, you sadly lost uh, Dustin when you were working. I yeah. mean, it's been so many pieces of history, but this was a ginormous piece. Talk us through the night. Well, it was the, uh, the weirdest um, show. I, I had worked with Tommy... Um, with you at the Shakespeare yep. on the night that I got married to Lynn, my first wife, in 1974, the week that Liverpool um, won the FA Cup. And um, and uh, kind of, I, I worked with Tommy then, um, and then didn't work with him again until that night, uh, live from Her Majesty's, 
Um, in the, at the rehearsals in the afternoon, Tommy w- had everybody in fits and mm. did different stuff than he was going to do on the night. Yeah. Um, so nobody knew when it got to the, to the night, you know, whether it was a joke or not. Because Tommy was doing this whole routine where he had the cloak on yeah. and he would pull things through his cloak, you know, as though they were, you know, coming through magic. But the, clo- the curtains were closed behind him. So the prop guy was putting through the, you know, the fire escape. Um, the, no, sorry, the fire extinguisher or, and the chair and then the step ladders and all that. I mean, it was a hilarious sketch. But on the night, he put the cloak on um, and the dancer, Sandy, I always remember Sandy was the girl, and she gave him his cloak, you know, fastened his cloak up. And as she, as she walked off, he went, thanks, love. And that was the last thing you heard him say as she walked off. He kind of crumpled. And she thought, I remember, you know, she thought it was a joke. Yeah. We were in the wings. Um, David Bell, the producer, turned to... Um, uh, Tommy Jr., Tommy's son, and said, is that a joke? And he said, no, my dad's got a bad back. He wouldn't know. He wouldn't be able to get up. So David Bell very calmly, it was live telly, said, cue commercial break, cue music. They played the music. Um, David went on stage. The paramedics rushed on to um, see to Tommy. They had to move him back behind the curtains. They couldn't do anything there. They had to wait. Well, the, or the crew moved him back until the paramedics arrived. Um, and Jimmy Tarbuck and, um, Peter and David Bell had a chat on was, stage was, and then said, um, Was Peter right, Pritchard lads, there? To go on? Was Peter Pritchard there? Peter giving Pritchard him the kiss was of probably life. in the audience. Yeah. He wasn't in the wings. Ah, right. But um, um, they, they said, are you lads ready to go on? And, and we were like, oh, my God, it's going to carry on. We thought the show would be blacked out yeah. and they put, I don't know, the professionals on or something, some repeat. But we had to work then round Tommy as, he, as they wouldn't move him behind the curtains. And, you know, as, as we know... Um, he was taken to St. Thomas's Hospital, and he died in the hospital a couple of hours later. And after that, Dustin came off and said in a restaurant after we were sat with Nina Mishkoff ha- having a curry, all numb from what had happened, um, and knowing that we'd just been on live telly, you know, kind of holding the fort. Mm. And um, Dustin said, that's the way I'd like to go. And then two years later in Southport, he collapsed in the, um, in the dressing room, having come off in the middle of a panto. You should be careful what you wish for. Don't work with me. We're talking to Les Dennis. Uh, Leslie, you have a play coming to the Royal Court. The uh, floor is yours. What is this about? Well, it's a play called Jigsy, and it's about a comic, uh, a Liverpool comic, working men's club, set in a working men's club in Fazakley in 1997. And it's a guy who basically, you know, is coming towards the end of his career. He's a bit of a man out of time. He's a guy, you know, who has been uh, done locally, been a big hero um, and has been, you know, one of those Liverpool comics that never really got outside his parish, but has always been funny, has always been able to um, entertain an audience from the beginnings as an alehouse comic when he was just working for, you know, beer money and getting up and maybe drink is part of his demise and the reason why he hasn't been as big as he should have been. And Jigsy is a fictional character, um, and he's in this dressing room. But as a template for the comedy, um, Jackie Hamilton, the legend, the Liverpool legend that we both knew, and who was hilarious and a funny local hero, um, we've used Jackie's comedy, and with his permission, because Tony Staybaker, who wrote the play, um, he first met Jackie when he came to Liverpool in the 70s as a BBC producer. He was working with Melvin Bragg on a, on a um, programme about um, culture in Liverpool. 
and um, met Jack He and got fascinated with him and, you know, talked to him. So a lot of this stuff is kind of transcripts from their chats, but also there's a fictional character to it. So it's about a comedian. It's like a love letter to an era of comedy that no longer exists. And it's also not only about the changing face of comedy, because this guy, like I say, is at the time as young, new comics are coming up, but it's also about the changing face of Liverpool. So I think for a Liverpool audience, it ticks all the boxes. It's got everything. It's got, you know, mentions of, of places that everybody will know. It's got mentions of, of things that have happened in our culture in, in this century, um, or rather last century, because, um, as I say, it's set in 1997. But it's, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a, a labor of love because it, it, it's a, a lovely piece that um, I wanted to come home. To Liverpool. Where where did you get the idea from? Where did they approach you, or did you approach them? Or Tony Stavecker came to me with it about ten years ago, and we talked about it, and we never got a chance to do it. And then um, about last year, um, he said, "Look, um, he lives in Bristol. He said the Bristol Tobacco Factory have a couple of days. Why don't we go and do it?" And I went, "Okay, we've been talking about this for so long. Let's go and do it." And I was nervous about it because going to Bristol when it's about a Liverpool comedian, I thought, well, will they get it? But mm. Bristol's got a lot of similarities, docks and, you know, kind of a working-class culture. And so it, it worked so well. Um, Hannah Chiswick, um, director, who I worked with art on art, and, you know, we came to the Playhouse with art, and everybody in Liverpool <laughs> who saw it still talks to me about it, saying we love that, the play art. Um, uh, Ricky Tomlinson, he loves that. He keeps going, oh, lad, you were great in that art. <laughs> um, so H Hannah and I, um, Tony Stavecker, let us kind of re not rewrite it, but certainly um, model it to, to to make it work for for an audience now. And um, and we have a play that that works as a one man piece, seventy five minutes. You know, so it's it's a it's a bit of a marathon for me because he goes through a lot of emotions, and he's he's a guy in the dressing room. He's not that well. He likes a drink. He's got a bad cough. He's not, he's not well. So he's looking back at the career that he nearly had. How do you feel about the Liverpool audience? You must be nervous. Well, you know, I was nervous in Bristol thinking, will they get it and, you know, will they understand the Liverpool humour? I'm more nervous here about whether, you know, they'll, they'll understand the humour, obviously, but it's still, you, you come in and you're doing a play about, you know, about the, the in-depth culture of a city um, over a certain period. So... Um, I'm, I'm always nervous. Whenever I come to Liverpool, you know, when, when we do Panto, I'm always like, Peter, I don't know what to do here. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit nervous because it's a big old theatre. The Empire's a big old theatre. And the Royal Court's a big enough theatre for a, for a one-man But it's day. a very intimate theatre now. It is. It, yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah. we, were, we were on stage this afternoon. We were starting to light it. And, and the, you know, the set is a, is a dressing room in a working men's club. And, and that's great. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. What about, um, I mean, for instance, do you have a pop at anyone? I mean, he's a dear friend of yours. I mean, for instance, Ken Dodd. There's not, no, there isn't a pop at all. Um, it's Jigsy, the character. He's a typical comic in the sense that there's no love, as he says, there's no love loss between comedians. Yeah. You know, um, uh, the, the, it's like a fight for survival. And if somebody like Doddy is doing the business, then there's less room for the rest of you. You've got to grab that space, you know, before you can get it. But what he is, what he, what, what comes out in the in the section, the Ken Dodd section, is the fact that he is so absolutely 
against his better judgment, he so loves and respects Ken Dodd, mm. but he but he has to talk about him with a comics um, yeah, yeah. envy. So it's not so much. It's not a pop. It's a. It's a kind of. It's a begrudging yeah. um, uh, love for it, him. Interesting you say that, Les, because we put at the Shakespeare the first ever comedians on yeah. when it was on telly, and we had everyone. We had Bernard, George. We had every. They became you know legends of comedy, yeah. and they were backstage and they were going, "Oh effing, he's done my effing," and then someone walks off and you go, "Great that lad, did well there, lad." <laughs> Well, it is. It is the thing, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the funny thing about comics because you normally work on your own, but then when you're working with other comics, yeah. you're all you're all stood in the wings, mm. um, wait, listening, going. You know, it's like it's like it used to be. What was it? First up, best dressed. Yeah. First on, best gags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And you stand the wings and going, "It's just on my line." Yeah, it's just. It's line. not yours, you know, but it's in your line. It's a gag. <laughs> but you know, um, but that's the thing. I'm a Jackie Hamilton. He did the old gags, but you know what I love doing is I just love going out there and doing them, and I love, you know, the the stories about Jackie. There's a there's a great one. Mick Miller was telling me that, um, you know, Jackie was just a funny man, and and when um, when uh, Barbara Streisand was filming Yentl, they filmed it in Liverpool, and um, she was doing a scene, and Jackie was one of the extras, and Barbara Streisand was singing some big aria. Um, and the director would say, "No, cut, cut. We've got to stop, Barbara. Lip sync, darling. We can't. We can't hear. Yeah, uh, we we saw your lips moving at the wrong time. So do it again. So they did it again. Lip, Barbara, lip syncs again. <laughs> Third time, Jackie shouts, Barbara, will you get it right? I'm a Gaston Legion tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like only, only in Liverpool, and only somebody like Jackie <laughs> Hamilton would have the nerve to shout out." Hey, Barbara, get it right, will you? Now, you did Edinburgh. Tell us about the festival. It was great. You know, um, we, having done those two days in Bristol last year, we thought, well, we'll take it to Edinburgh Festival and um, we'll, we'll see how it does there. And it became one of those plays that um, comics came to see. There was a guy, a um, very funny guy, Justin Morehouse, and he spread the word on Twitter for people to come and see it. And one day I was in, and I was about 10 minutes before the end of the play, and I remember just kind of looking out and thinking, in, a, in, a, in, a, in one of the speeches, thinking, that looks like Steve Coogan. And then I was thinking, no, it can't be. And then at the end, I thought, oh, my God, it is. Thank God I didn't realize till the end. And another time I was peep, peeping out like you do behind yeah, the curtain yeah. scene, yeah. thinking, who's coming in? And I thought, Jimmy Carr's coming in to watch this play. So it was like it was scary, but you know it was it was very flattering that comics and comics of a very high stature of today's comics were coming to see this this play about this old style comic. Now you do, and he stayed and waited afterwards and 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 chatted to me, yeah. Jimmy Carr, and just you do you're doing a couple of matinees, which is brilliant. Yeah, we're doing matinees. Yeah, that, that's fantastic because there's a lot of people don't want to go out late at night. Mm. You know, it's not a late program anyway. But there's, yeah. you know, a lot of people don't want to go out dark, so they can go out to a matinee, which is great, and it's yeah. a great piece. I've got to ask: Do you ad lib in it? Uh, no, uh, it's you know, I mean, it's it's basically it is a guy who is talking about his career, and you know, I remember once in Bristol, you know, on the two nights we were doing, and there was this woman on the front row, and she just. She just kept going, you know, oh, he's right, oh, he's right, what he's saying, oh, 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 he's, you know, and she just commented all the way through. And there was one point where the audience was thinking, this is a play, she shouldn't be doing this. And as Jigsy, I just went, do you talk back to the telly? 
and it just got a big laugh. But I had to leave it there because if I'd kept on yeah. and if I'd come out, then it would have been coming outside the fourth wall. Although, you know, it, it's very tempting sometimes. You know, in, in like in, in Edinburgh, there was a woman who had to leave the um, auditorium very early, and I wondered why. I know in Edinburgh, sometimes people book shows and they think, oh, I, you know, I'm missing my next show, and they leave five minutes before the end. Luckily, it didn't happen with us that much. But um, this woman left, and I thought, that's funny. And apparently she collapsed just at the door. And there was lots of commotion going on. And the, um, the usherettes and, and, and ushers were trying to sort her out and um, make sure she was okay. I couldn't see because it was behind the audience roster. Um, and I, I remember thinking, do we stop? Do we do something? Whatever. I didn't know what was going on. But you just have to stay there until if, if there was a, a problem, then they'd say you have to stop your show. But I, I, I stay within the, um, within the confines of the play. I've got to, got to interrupt you there and remind you that uh, at the Central Pier, um, when you were on with Dustin, I mm. was working with you and Bella. Yeah. I walked out and I was doing my newspaper routine with the newspaper and the uh, producer came down and I thought, and he's going, to, and he's doing the cut, cut, and I'm working away, and I think, what have I done? I don't remember swearing. And a woman died on the third row, was oh sitting there, God. had uh, asthma, apparently had trouble coming down the pier, and with the wind and everything, and actually died. And uh, then that was it. So we got the, uh, the the woman out, and I had to open the first, the, the, the second half. That was my, my spot, and I walked out with my newspaper, and it went, isn't it amazing how people die in alphabetical order? <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Oh, it's absolutely mortified. Oh, oh dear. Oh, what hilarious. What is the conclusion of Jigsy? Are we going to be surprised? Sorry, are we? The end. Are we going to be surprised at the end? Of Jigsy? Yeah. Um, I don't want to give it away. No, no, don't give it end, away. Are we going to be you know, surprised? It's like, it is a man out of time, but, you know, he he, he loves the stage and he, he can't keep him off, mm. basically. But I, I, what I would say is that you know, there are stories in it that there's, there's one story that, again, I won't give it away, but people go, even Scouser said to me, he said, is that true? Is that a real story? Did that really happen in Liverpool? And I went, yeah, it did. And, you know, they're surprised. Some people have forgotten it. It's, a, it's an incident that's happened in our history. And people are like, wow. And what's great about, for me, is you have them laughing with a lot of Jack, Jackie's gags and, and Jigsy's gags. But then you can be telling a story where it gets pin drop silence because right. it, the emotion and the um, the kind of Liverpool history is so um, well told by Tony Stavecker, the writer. Yeah. And you know th that's sometimes you think, oh, I'm a comic and I haven't had a laugh for uh, a couple of minutes because you know this is quite a, <laughs> an emotional story. But but the actor says that's the best thing you could have. I'm able to flip that coin. I'm so glad you said that you've got people commenting in the audience because you do know you will get that in Liverpool. <laughs> On some nights you, you know, will get that in, in Liverpool. It, listen, in Liverpool, what can you expect? I remember I was, I was walking, um, I'd been to do a, an interview and, and as I was coming out, this uh, guy went, uh, get, shake your hand, Les. And this other woman said, can I shake your hand, Les? And this other bloke said, uh, I'll have one of them if you're doling them out. <laughs> So random and so Liverpool. Tell me something. Uh, the transition yeah. from a comedy, a comic to an actor. I mean, you've done a lot of acting, but was it not incredibly difficult because you feed off applause and a f you feed off of comedy, of laughs? 
Well, it depends what part you're playing. And if you're, if you're playing um, a comic role, you're getting those laughs as a comic actor. And if you're playing something that is, you know, that is more emotionally, you know, the the um, opposite to that, then that's that's a thrill as well. You know, you you just go with that and think, wow, this is great. That that um, this is a different feeling to have this silence. Mm. But is it difficult to to deal with it? No, it's it, not at all. So you didn't you come know, off and go, ooh, that, that, ooh. Um, uh. You know, I, I used to, actors used to say, God, you know, I, I live the part and I come off and it, I'm, I'm exhausted. But, you know, it is exhausting. It can be very exhausting to kind of go through those emotions. But it's it's also very um, uplifting as well. So how long are you here for with Jigsy? We're at the Royal Courts from tomorrow until the 3rd of November. We don't play Sunday or Monday, but apart from that, we do every night at 8 o'clock. Um, and you can, as you know, at the Royal Court, you can have a meal before, uh, and then they stop serving while you do the play. Um, you've got 75 minutes. You can sit and have a drink and enjoy that. And then after, I'll be at the bar as well. So, you know, come along. Come and see a great show. We're there till the 3rd of November. And there's a couple of matinees each week as well. There's which a are Wednesday important. and a Saturday matinee every week. Which, which yeah. is great. Isn't it beautiful the way they've decorated and they've only just started doing the Royal Court? It's fantastic. It's so, you know, um, Hannah Chiswick, uh, director of this play, and a great friend of mine, she can't believe how many theatres are thriving in Liverpool. Like we walked into the, um, uh, what used to be the Neptune, the yeah, Epstein, yeah. Epstein Theatre today, and just had a look around. And it's just phenomenal how, many, how much culture and how much love of theatre there is in our city. Um, you know, you, you don't get that in a lot of places. You know, you get one theatre that maybe is struggling. We have a wealth of great and diverse theatres in this, in this city. Les, I can't wait to come and see it. I'm coming this week. Um, hopefully, I'm bringing two friends. Uh, Len and Norma might be coming with me. Great. I'm dying to see it. Les, it's a joy to talk to you. And you, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, mate. The best of Pete Price on Radio City 96.7.